Hi everyone and welcome back to The Ferment. I'm here in Studio One with the one and only Tom Wallace. How are you Tom? I'm very well and it just feels funny to be looking you in the eye directly yeah. across uh, the table. <laughs> we were just talking before we kicked off that it's a lot less intimidating on your mobile phone uh, getting <laughs> ringing in than when you come in here and you've got the mixing board and the microphones and the headphones. There's a bit more into it. I know Harry's very professional these days. He's got the sound thing, his laptop, the microphones. It's all it's big time. Very professional, very professional outfit. <laughs> Actually, and just on the podcast side of things, you've just mentioned that you've had another podcast that you got involved in. You're moonlighting with someone else. What was that all about? I know. Jeez, I didn't realise that was going to come up. I probably shouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> yes, we did one. It's actually being advertised at the moment for Got Som who are a couple of sommeliers, I probably should know more, assuming from, I think from Melbourne, who have a podcast they've been doing about wine. And they came down to, to the winery because I was in the middle of vintage, but it was all about Devil's Corner. So they went and spent the day out at the cellar door. So they've got two podcasts I believe they've made. And one is specifically talking to me and about Devil's Corner, about the wines. And then they've got one at the cellar door where they're talking about some more of the wines, but it's just them, I think, I haven't heard it. So, yeah. Cool. Oh, well, so for our Ferment listeners, you know, I know you only listen to the Ferment, but if you want to flip over and have a listen to something else, I'll put the link in our uh, email out uh, for this particular podcast. So, Tom, I thought, uh, given you're over here, we might talk about Vintage That Was 2023. But before we do that, why are you here? What have you been looking at in Miller? We're going across to a new winery computer system. So not many people probably know, but we use one called Total Systems Management or TSM. But we're moving on to something new called Vintrace, which is... It's going to be really, really good, I think. It's going to be, I was just saying to Harry, it's going to be probably 12 months of trying to figure it out and make your shortcuts and get quick at it, which is going to be a bit annoying. But it's much better winery system, much more uh, intrinsically linked to how you make wine and has shortcuts and, and built into the system. So it's going to be really good into the future. Sometimes when you do these things, you come out nervous or you're coming out positive. What's your gut feel? Oh, really positive. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be excellent. Awesome. All right, so let's have a talk a bit about Vintage 2023. We caught up with Simon just recently and chatted about Victoria and and the sort of the weather that we had pre-Christmas. Did you get a lot of that rain and cold conditions as well in Tasmania? Yeah, I think it was probably a pretty similar sort of thing as to the mainland. And I think probably, unfortunately, fairly similar as to what we've experienced in the last couple of years with La Nina uh, and probably, you know, in some ways it was similar to 2022, but a lot better for us on the East Coast than 2022. Good. So, you know, some pretty exciting wines from 2023. So very cold, and so that affected flowering and yields, unfortunately. Tamar Valley probably warmed up a little bit more, very similar to 2022 earlier on. The East Coast stayed cold, but didn't have the rain after Christmas. So we got wines, all the wines that we wanted, we got to table ripeness. And because of that really extended cold sort of season, they've got pretty amazing concentration and lots of flavour and lots of perfumes and not to get ahead of myself but it's probably the first time in a few years where I would say it's a Pinot Noir year so some of the certainly some of the best Pinot Noirs I think we've seen in a long time. Awesome and and so I'm just having a quick look at the winery intake for 2023 and it was just a touch under 2,000 tonnes so what were you sort of hoping for like is that pretty close or was it less what 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 did we end up at? I think yield wise it's fairly similar to 2022 and that's right I think we're probably hoping for Closer to two and a half thousand tons, mm-hmm. uh, if not more, for average yields. Cana wasn't far off; they were a little bit under average. But Hazards, unfortunately, was very low yielding 
similar to 2022 and how it's been under the La Nina conditions. And yeah, but a better year because we got things to ripeness, but still not nearly the yields that we would have we desire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now let's go through just for our listeners so that they can get a feel for the what are the biggest grape variety intake through to the smallest. So Pinot Noir is our biggest intake with I think uh, just over nine hundred tons, so quite a fair whack of the the total intake. And you mentioned you're pretty happy with the Pinot Noir quality this year. Can you talk about what the attributes of say Cayena versus Hazards over on the east coast were for the Pinots in twenty twenty three? I mean, we knew going in, and probably talk about more about the East Coast at the start, we knew that the yields were low and they did tend to go down as, the, as we went through vintage. <laughs> the, so, predi- the predictor kept getting a bit yeah. lower. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided pretty early on that any parcels that were coming in, being small, we'd make as estates, so in our open sort of fermenters. So we're seeing blocks or parts of the vineyard that have never been made in that fashion and in, made an open fermenter and run to barrel. So we've got very good volumes of estate-level Pinots, like probably the biggest we've had in a long time, and not much of the Pinot from the East Coast actually went to entry level. And that has extraordinary concentration, and but still has finesse, um, still has balance, and so really exciting at these early stages. Amazing colour, scary, scary yeah, colours. Okay. <laughs> and then that Tamer stuff, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough that there was a little bit of rain. It's never easy down there, so you're always battling some sort of conditions. But that long, cool season, we've got great expression of flavours. We've got a bit more variety in our bomes. So, you know, we're usually under pressure, so we tend to be at the lower end of those bomes, which is probably what I like style-wise. But this year, we've got a bit more of a spread, so we've got some riper stuff. We probably have, I wouldn't be surprised, we've got a 14% alcohol wine somewhere around there, <laughs> which gives you just a different expression and different ways of making wines and styles and things like that. So, yeah, no, some pretty exciting stuff. And... Also, entry-level stuff, you know, probably not quite the volumes, but bigger volumes than 22. Mm-hmm. We picked up some contract stuff later on, and we got reasonable volumes from some of our contract places. And we've also done a few, quite a number of trial stuff that I know we're going to talk about later on. So It's great that we're sort of getting access to some contracts that, uh, you know, in our early days, they were just challenging to, to actually find fruit in Tasmania that was available. So what sort of percentage would have that have been of the total intake? Is it still very small? We did... Don't know. Don't have that in front of me, Harry. But no, on the entry-level stuff, most of the contract we buy is on that entry-level stuff, and it would be a pretty high percentage this year. Good to know that we've got some contracts coming through. All right, the next biggest intake into the winery was Chardonnay, and like I remember the 2022s were incredible, and if it was a similar season, we're seeing incredible Chardonnay again. Very good Chardonnay. I don't think it's quite... 22 is probably a little bit of an icon season. And we made really good volumes of 22, which was good, of that top end, which is going to carry us through. So we sort of doubled the volume of Patricia Chardonnay and made a lot of Resolution Chardonnay, which served us well this year because uh, Chardonnay volumes were down a lot. You know, we've made really good volumes of Piri, which look fantastic, which gives us a lot of potential there. We made less of the sort of sparkling Chardonnay because we have a bit in the house already made from 22 and then we've made smaller volumes but the high-end stuff is really good quality but it's probably not quite at the same level as maybe the 22s were yeah time will tell uh next in line was sauvignon blanc and you know with quite a decent whack 369 tons so quite a decent hit of sauvignon blanc how was that looking sauvignon blanc was one of the things that probably yields slightly better on the east coast being slightly later in that flowering period so it's slightly warmer probably not 
even as much as we expected. Um, quality was really high and we've got good volumes of that going forward. Generally those cooler years you get some of that really strong herbaceous sort of green characteristic. Are we seeing that as a, a fairly prominent flavour or is it still really nice and, and tropical? And oh, There's definitely good acids there. There's, there's still got those tropical elements that the East Coast especially gets. Actually Kainia looks really good um, and they had a really tough season particularly on Sauvignon Blanc. We were quite concerned about the Sauvignon Blanc at um, <laughs> Cayena. But in the end, we actually got there and, um, yeah, the, the parcels look really strong. And what about Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris? Pinot Grigio, Pinot Gris, certainly not nearly the volumes that we were sort of hoping for. Continue to balance that a little bit with the King Valley Pinot Grigio mm-hmm. for the Grigio style. We've made a little bit more Resolution Gris. We're certainly, these, these wines are... Demanded now, I've actually brought up samples of the Resolution Gris. Both of them are only bottling in about four weeks, the Grigio and the Gris. Oh, tight. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, there's there's volumes there to the state. And it's, it's interesting how that's going to go forwards with the price rises and see how this, how that affects sales. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's certainly one of those restricted sort of products, I think, a little bit. The Devil's Corner Resolution Pinot Gris, it's probably a nice topical time to chat about it because for those ferment listeners that have been trying that wine for for a while we, we made a pretty decent style change into 2022 was it where we moved away from having that little bit of residual sugar to being the more sort of textural style a little bit it's probably been a gradual style change through 21 and 22 and a lot of that's from production because we went from hand picking the fruit to machine mm-hmm. harvesting to sort of reduce costs and that sort of affects the way you can make the wines mm-hmm. to some degree. But yes, yeah, similar to the 22, this one is dry. This one's pretty rich. Half of it we fermented wild in punchins, and then we also used the egg fermenter uh-huh. on the Pinot Gris this year. So there is a lot of that texture, and then it's certainly very different from the Grigio because it's a lot riper. It is yep. one of the. It will be. I think it's about fourteen percent alcohol. Incredible. And and you've just mentioned the egg fermenter. I had that on my notes to to bring up. Where did the egg go this year? But you've you've got in early, so that's good. Good to know. Now after Pinot Grigio, it's Riesling was the next variety in. One of my favourite grape varieties, and I love the style out of Tassie. So how did it look for twenty twenty three? Riesling was pretty good, yeah. We actually sold a bit of Riesling grapes this year because we had a bit of a buffer, so that was good. Um, who knows, we may see a few of tamer Riesling wines out there from uh, <laughs> out and about the place. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, but, yeah, no, the wines that we've got in the winery are, are very strong, really aromatic and perfumes. Disease pressure wasn't too bad. It's always there with Riesling, but yep. we got it there. I'm really happy with the sugar level that we brought the fruit in. So, you know, some exciting components there. And good acid drive and all of those things that you expect with Tassie. Acid and reason. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of acid. <laughs> good stuff. And then the last one on my list, and you can correct me if there's others, that, but is the Shiraz or Syrah? Shiraz and Syrah, well, very... Or, or, very... or I meant or. <laughs> no, it's just Syrah, isn't it? <laughs> well, excitingly, we got our first crop from the East Coast. Oh, wow, cool. So, which looks very exciting. We got that close to optimal ripeness, uh, maybe a little bit below. But yeah, that's in barrel now, so that's really good. And we got, we're still taking the contract fruit from down south, which has been doing exciting things. They were came in under yield as well from the Derwent. So yeah, everyone was affected. It wasn't just the East Coast. Even the Coal River Valley had very low yields this year, which is unusual for them. So we got a, a slightly smaller amount, but the, that stuff from down south looks... 
pretty spectacular again. Yeah, awesome. Should be good for another Mount Dove or <laughs> some sort of Mount, Mount Mason. Mount Mason yeah. <laughs> wine ca- coming through. So that that's how that's what I've got on my list. Was there anything else that we brought in this year? Nothing uh, outside of that mix? Well, we brought in something interesting from a trial perspective. Yeah. Um, Are we allowed you know, to know? It's quite creative. I have no idea. <laughs> Has that ever stopped me before? No, go. Um, we, well, we have no idea whether it will go forward, but it is a fun little play. We made a little piquette wine, if you know what that is. So we sort of made a, well, it's not even a wine, whatever we want to call it. So we used the skins. So we extracted all the juice from the Sauvignon Blanc almost near the end when we remembered that we wanted to do this. Um, <laughs> and we grabbed all the skins out of the press and we tipped them into one of our open fermenters and then we filled it with water. So we soaked any sugar that was left over and all the flavours out of that and then we fermented that. So we actually sort of made something out of nothing and it's called a piquette wine. So other people do do this sort of process. And it's sort of almost, it's about 6% alcohol when it finished and a nice balance of acidity. And it sort of almost looks like a sour beer type yeah, right. thing. Ellie and Marcel looking at samples and whether there's any potential there around something. But it may be absolutely nothing, but it was a bit of fun to see something, a white fermenting almost like a red type thing with a cap and all that sort of thing. And looks like a sour beer in terms of taste profile yeah. or it's got the colour as well with the skin. No, it's got no, no colour really. So, yeah, it's, okay. it's maybe, well, if anything, it just looks a little green. No, so it's, yeah, and with a little bit of obviously CO2. No, it's, it's, it's quite fun, quite interesting. That's cool. I'm doing some renovations at home at the moment and if you, you, know, you spend a whole day you know, on the tools, cracking into a big bottle of red is probably not going to be the refreshment level that, I, that I'm looking for. And I've actually been drinking a few sour beers that I really enjoy that contrasting sort of acidity sharpness with the hoppy flavour of the beer. It's, it's a nice way to enjoy beer on a refreshing sort of style. So I'll be interested to try this new product. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it, but it was, yeah, it was quite fun to do. It's certainly... Yeah, it's a unique sort of thing to do, to clip the skins and then tip yeah. them into a fermenter <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, something new. But, yeah, no, it was good. That's yeah. cool. And if it doesn't work, we could just distill it and make grappa. Yeah, <laughs> right. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Now, Tom, that, that's pretty cool on an innovation side of things. Anything else on that front in the vineyard or the winery that you've been sort of trialling or working on at the moment to just take things to the next level? Yeah, we did quite a few things this year. We tried something called a pied de couve which is a technique of harvesting some of the grapes from the vineyard, so pinot grapes, and then we put them into a bucket and Anthony actually squeezed them a little, pressed them down a little bit and left them in the vineyard in the block that we were going to harvest. And so they start fermenting, so you get that yeast that's off those skins particularly. And then when we harvested the grapes, we put it in the bottom, this fermenting part of the block, we put that in the bottom of the fermenter and tipped some whole bunches on top and then de-stemmed on that. So that sort of started the ferment and gives those whole bunches a bit of protection. So it's similar to starting it with dry yeast, but you're using that ferment that you've started in the vineyard. So that yeah. was something we tried. What's the time difference between using it to then start the next ferment? Well, it's yeah, it's a tricky thing to know exactly. So yeah. I think we actually... We tried to start it about five days before. I think in the end it got to about seven to ten days okay. before we actually harvested. But we yeah we managed to sort of keep it going, and it was really clean when we brought it in the ferment in the bucket. Mm-hmm. At one stage we thought someone had tipped it out, um, but Anthony <laughs> just brought it in to hide it from the from oh. the guys when they were picking, <laughs> which was a relief. Yeah, <laughs> we were like, oh, we spent all this time and we threw it away. <laughs> Um, so yeah so that was interesting so that's one block that we've got in barrel of sort of a state pinot and then we did a whole berry carbonic ferment so normally you know it's 100% hand picked on the stalks 
and we thought, can we do a carbonic where it's machine harvested fruit? So we tipped it into the hopper and tried to separate any of the juice off and just get the whole berries and then put them into a ferment and wrapped it. And yeah, so that's interesting as well. So we, we did that. And have you opened it up? Like, is yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's in barrel now. And how's the aromas and so on? Is it like really jumping? Or what, no, what? Not, no nearly as, okay. not nearly as good. <laughs> no. do, do we want to actually go if the trial's worked or not? <laughs> or is it just about the trial? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see down the track, but no, it doesn't nearly have the same aromaticity or of, of the, the fruit. But yeah, the yeah. trial is about trying. Yeah, things, correct. You know, yeah, the yeah. Old, uh, John Brown formula, if you're not trying something yeah, exactly. or destroying something. We didn't destroy it, but yeah. it's certainly at this stage, it's probably not my favourite yeah. parcel of the, yeah. uh, of the year. But it's, it's, it's not earmarked for next year at this early stage. <laughs> we, we will see. Maybe it just needs a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of finessing. Correct. Uh, the strategy. We did remember to do the vineyard ferment this oh, yeah. year because we forgot good. last year. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I did actually have to change some of the winemaking processes this year because it was that cold and that later season, which took a little, you know, it just you get built into what works and things, and then you realise, because the ferments just aren't even starting <laughs> because it's so cold. <laughs> and the vineyard ferment was like that. That wasn't one we sort of, we just left it and just went, okay. And it took like seven, ten days to get even starting because it was that cold sitting yeah. out there. Wow. But, yeah, we had to actually warm things up sometimes and use the heaters, which we haven't used on our, on our tanks uh, for some time on those cold soaking things mm. so yeah it took me a little while to realize you know this thing's actually just not going to ferment by itself. <laughs> <laughs> so warming things up so that was something we had to change a little bit this year yeah. we had a trial with some chardonnay which was quite fun so we had a small parcel of east coast stuff um, literally like five barrels type thing mm-hmm. and i actually got them to pull back some of the hand-pick whole bunches so it's patricia level resolution level chardonnay and when I was about to film, I actually put whole berries into some of the barrels or, or the whole bunch without even squeezing them. And I put it into the barrel first and then put the juice on top of it. Oh. And it's something I've wanted to play with for a few years because I've sort of sometimes you get, you wonder if you're getting sulfide from solids that are in the barrels or the juice. And sometimes you go, oh, look, somehow there's a berries or seeds have got in there and that's made it particularly sulfidic. So I was just wondering how this will sort of impact that. So mm. we're not exactly sure how that. I will work in for the long run and see how the impact. But it's, it was an interesting. <laughs> I took a photo, a few photos actually, of the grapes that I put into the barrel, so we yeah. can see how much went into each barrel. And they'll just be sitting in there now, like they. Yeah, they're, they're not coming out, so no, they'll be yeah. there for the full nine months type thing. Yeah, and so whether that sort of creates more flint or sulfide or character or something like that. Yeah. We'll talk ourselves into it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we might be. It might be one we don't want to work because yeah. we don't really want to be putting it. No. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't sound like the cheapest uh, operation uh, going. Yeah, no, it's worse not to. And the other one we did something we've probably not really pursued in the past, but I thought with trying to achieve more dollar value for our wines, so we trialed this year a bit of oak alternative in the DC or entry level Pinot after pressing off when we've got like 30,000 litres in the tank I was actually adding our Dominoes which we use in the DC Chardonnay so a couple of bags into the thing for, so that's pre-Malo and then it's going through Malo with that so we used a couple of different formats of that and and that looks really cool you know that just adds another layer of complexity another layer of richness and another blend option so yeah that's pretty cool. It's nice, like given you know we're taking a little bit of a price rise on that as well to get some of that extra complexity and just another layer of flavour. Just be a nice little talking point of the Devil's Corner Pinot as well. And it's a way of doing it without having a huge amount of cost value, mm-hmm. which barrels can sort of do. So yep, yep. you know, doing that, so and just pursuing what works and what doesn't work, and sort of you know, it's it's not like 
what we have is really good and we're really happy with it, but just whether, you know, we can add a little bit of extras. Awesome. All right, Tom. Well, that was just brilliant. What a perfect scenario that we were able to catch up while you're here in Millawa and you get to see how the ferment works face-to-face and what Studio One looks like. (laughs) Pretty good for you. Nice day today. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And you're back to Tassie tonight? Tonight, yeah. Fantastic. Nice flight out. Beautiful. Well, safe flight and uh, thanks for coming on the ferment. Thanks, Harry. How good was that, everyone? If you have any feedback for us at The Ferment, please send us an email, theferment at brownfwg.com.au. Also, don't forget to check out our Tasting Note podcast. Thanks for listening to The Ferment, everyone. Stay safe out there, chase hard, look out for each other.